0: In deep pattern, downfield, touchdown Miami! What a throw, Devontae
1: Parker! Holy smokes, what a drive! What is up, dolphins fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins' official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? It is early week. I am your host, Travis Winkfield, and on today's show, we're going to get into Coach Flores' press conference, his media availability from the end of last week. We'll talk about his comments on Tuatunga-Vailoa, the third pick in the draft, some coaching staff reshuffling, and a whole lot more. Plus, we'll get you updates on the latest pro days and get you ready for free agency kicking off this week here on the Drive Time Podcast. All of that and more on this on this final episode of the 2020 League Year Edition of the drive time podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. So we got coach Flores last week in lieu of his annual live combine presser and Flo spoke to the media through our good old zoom platform. And I might be a victim of hyperbole like a lot of the time. For instance, I told my friends that the South park vaccination special that came out last week was the best episode those guys have ever done. And I still stand by that claim, but I can see how they can tell me that I'm crazy for saying that after a 24-year run of brilliance and how much that's saying about the show. But I thought that this press conference from Coach was the best one he's given since I've been here for these press conferences. And I will say this, normally we get a very fired up, loose but excited ear-to-ear grin on coach before the season opener at the start of training camp, whenever there are pads popping and football to be played because, well, he's a football coach. He's told us before how much he loves coaching football, but I got that same vibe from him last week at this presser. He entered the chat by Asking everybody how they're doing, a big smile on his face. He congratulated Omar Kelly for the birth of his child. And a congrats are in order here on the Drive Time podcast to Omar and his wife. Omar was one of the first people that kind of showed me some South Florida hospitality when I was down there for training camp in 2019. So, Omar, congrats to you and your wife, my good friend. And he was joking with. Cam Wolf of ESPN, another friend here of the podcast and a friend of mine as well about parenting a newborn. Cam also recently had a little one. And oh yeah, before I bury the lead any further, speaking of little ones, Caroline took her first steps this weekend and I celebrated that harder than I did the Tua to Holland's touchdown, the Fitz to Holland's sideline shot in the Raiders game. To any play this year, I was spiking the football, so to speak, after watching Caroline take her first steps. But now I feel like dropping her off at college is like right around the corner. Time truly does go by way too fast for a parent. She's been around for 10 months and I feel like the time has already flown by. But back on track here, it was just great to be back In one of these, and as brief as they are, it's great to get tangible football news and not just the old, according to sources type of headlines, rumors that we see from January through the start of the league new year, the new league year, especially without the scouting combine. And we were fortunate to get the senior bowl this year with Coach, but that was six weeks ago. So the football kind of feels like it's picking back up a little bit here. And just as I'm sure you are as well, I am here for it. Let's go ahead and kick this off with Brian Flores' opening remarks. We're going to hear from Coach Flo and then check in with my thoughts and analysis after each answer. So first, here's Coach talking about a sort of state of the Dolphins type of address.
0: So a couple uh, quick updates. Last couple months, you know, as I, you know, last time we talked, I want to say at the uh, Senior Bowl and, you know, uh, at the end of the season. I talked about, um, you know, us kind of doing a full evaluation of our team. Um, and really, the entire operation, uh, the 2020 season. Uh, so we did a deep dive on a self scout from that perspective, really across the board: offense, defense, special team, our operation, um, you know, scouting, any and any everything that we we felt like we could, we could improve on. We kind of talked about. Um, look, our, our goal is to to improve at every position, um, coaches, players, strength and conditioning, you know. Nutrition training, so we kind of—that's uh, kind of been what we've done the last couple months. Um, Chris and our staff, scouting staff—they've been—they've uh, been great. They've been phenomenal. Uh, we just actually just got done with our uh, draft meetings last week. Um, look, with no no combine and um, you know quite a few limitations this year due to due to COVID nineteen and the pandemic. Really, they've kind of handled that without any complaint, no issues. And they did a really nice job as far as getting background, and uh, we had some really good, uh, good dialogue and a lot of great meetings over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and that is, uh, you know, sp- specific to the draft, but also free agency. Um, you know, our pro pro department uh, first. Um, so we're going to name uh, Danny Crossman, the assistant head coach, and um, special teams. Uh, Danny, as as you guys know um has been uh very instrumental in the development of uh this team, our coaches staff, uh and I'm just grateful to have someone his skill um uh to bounce ideas off of to uh uh he's just been an invaluable asset. Uh I've named the uh, George and Eric co-coordinators on offense. Um look they've both done a uh you know an outstanding jobs in their, at their respective uh, positions um have a lot of respect for both guys. Very knowledgeable, um, uh, very good teachers, and uh, I think they both bring a different. You know, uh, uh, they both have different perspectives, and um, that's that that uh that's that's been a good. Uh, we've had a lot of great dialogue, really. I would say these last couple of months you know, with with those two, as well as, well as our uh, entire offensive staff. Uh, other offensive coaching staff changes, and uh, look, you guys will get a press release on this later on today. Uh, So Mike Judge is going to go to, um, you know, from quality control to assistant tight ends. Uh, And Sean Flaherty, who was uh, also a quality control coach, will go to assistant online. Uh, Offense, uh, defensively, uh, a couple changes there. So Charles Burks, um, he'll be the cornerbacks coach. Uh, Obviously, he worked with the corners, you know, for the last couple years. Uh, He's done a nice job. So officially, the cornerbacks coach, Austin Clark, is going to coach defensive line. And our uh, Robbie Leonard is going to move to outside linebackers.
1: So there you have it, the opening uh, State of the Union address there from Coach. Some coaching staff changes as well. And he took on another question regarding Coach Godsey in Studisville later on. So we'll circle back to that, but it is official. Those are your co-offensive coordinators. Other moves along with that, Danny Crossman promoted to assistant head coach and you know a respected guy in the building, communication on point, a leader. We talk about the scream here on the podcast. It's a question I ask the special teams, the core special teamers on this team. I always like to ask them about the scream of Danny Cross because at training camp, you can hear it from anywhere within earshot of the facility there. And there was a great story on the Blake Ferguson, Sam Egwavon podcast we did back in December for my cleats, my cause. And I asked Ferguson about the last time he got screamed at by Crossman and he told me about a half hour ago at practice and then I asked Sam the same question. He said... Well, Blake said a half hour ago, so for me it was about 45 minutes ago. So he's always always making sure guys are coached up. And most of all, he's overseen one of the better special teams units in the league. And for my money, the most innovative as far as creating plays through deception, whether it's fakes, blocked kicks, returns, pinning kickoffs deep and forcing the return man to come out. That sort of thing. So well-deserved their Coach. Absolutely a position uh, that he's earned through his time here in Miami. Mike Judge gets the call from quality control to assistant tight ends to work with George Gotze in that tight end room. And Gotze retains that uh, tight ends position as well as Eric Studisville retaining his position as the running backs coach. The other move you heard Coach talk about there, Charles Burks. That was a name that got referenced on the podcast a lot last year. And in press conferences through players and coaches about a guy who worked kind of hand-in-hand hand with the players on individual instruction. Byron Jones talked a lot about this when he would speak to us, and, and I mentioned it from my observations at practice, how much he and Charles Burks worked together pre-practice on ball skills and turning and locating the football and catching the football and all the stuff that went into Byron Jones's career high this year with the two interceptions. So Charles Burks, he also gets that promotion. Austin Clark goes from... His old post as the outside linebackers coach to defensive line coach, and he was one of the guys that was talked a lot about among players this year in terms of his ability to teach and help guys develop their skill sets from Andrew Van Ginkle, who complimented coach time in and time again, time and time again. Jerome Baker talked about him. Coach Campanelli, the linebackers coach, talked a lot about him. So he gets moved to the defensive line where really his his specialty was a little bit of the pass rush moves and, and how he got guys to develop the arsenal of pass rush moves. He's, he was talked about a lot among Emmanuel Ogba, Shaq Lawson in that regard as well. So he gets that call. And then finally, uh, taking over his role as the outside linebackers coach previously is Robbie Leonard, who was also an assistant position coach last year there as well. So some changes to the staff, Coach Flores covered those, as well as the Kind of unorthodox move to have co-offensive coordinators. I don't think any other team in the NFL has that. So we're going to find out uh, how that works. And Coach was, of course, asked about that at the first question at his press conference about the collaboration between George Godsey and Eric Stoudesville co-offensive coordinators.
0: Definitely collaborative. I think uh, that's something we've talked about. um, And those are kind of ongoing discussions. Uh, So we have, I would say, cemented a, uh, a way of how we're going to do it. Um, but I, I think just from a play calling standpoint, a lot of that, the legwork's done during the week. You know, I know George, uh, and Eric, George's call plays in the past. Uh, and I, look, like Eric was, uh, you know, with COVID, you know, we had the situation where we had to have a backup at every position. So Eric, um, Eric was preparing to call the game if something happened to Chan the entire year. So I think both guys are, are equipped to do it. And, um, Uh, We have not cemented a, hey, we're going to do it like this. Uh, But I think, you know, uh, we'll figure out a way that's collaborative. At the end of the day, puts our team in the best position to have success offensively.
1: Success offensively. I mean, that's the key, right? Getting the offense up and down the field, putting points on the board, regardless of how you do it through the passing game, the running game, a combination of both professional style attacks, college style looks that have become more and more prevalent in the National Football League over... I guess the past decade or so, but you look at what both these coaches have done in their short times in Miami and their careers beyond that, Eric Studisville, I mean, I've been praising this guy's running schemes back in 2018 when originally with Adam Gase in the mix, it was all outside zone. You recall that 2016 season with Jay Ajayi, get out on the edge, let him pick his hole and then let him get vertical or let him get square rather to the line of scrimmage and get himself upfield on those outside runs. And then we go out and sign Frank Gore in 2018. Here comes Eric Studisville and you've got misdirection. You've got gap scheme. You've got all kinds of different wham blocks and traps and different counters and and different ideas in the running game. And I became a big fan of Coach at that time. He, of course, one of the holdovers from that previous coaching staff here under Brian Flores. So it tells you about his his ability to lead, his ability to teach, and what Brian Flores thinks about what makes a good coach. I think Eric Studisville checks those boxes. And look at the running backs tables that Studisville has worked with here in Miami. I mean, last season alone... Everyone projected Jordan Howard, Matt Breida as a one-two punch. And who's the running back that goes out there and gets 70, 75% of the workload in week one and produces in a big-time way, finishes the season with the 11th most average yards per scrimmage per game in Miles Gaskin. And we saw that in training camp. If you guys read the training camp reports, listen to the podcast back in August, your boy was very, very high on Miles Gaskin, despite the fact that he went to UW, go Cougs. But I was here to watch him just shred up defenses as a, as a member of the Miami Dolphins. And he was doing that. And Eric Studisville, I think seventh round draft pick here, has a little bit to say about the development of that young player. So teaching, leadership, type, right type of guy for this job. And then George Godsey. And, and you go back to some of the old transcripts last season. He was always a great interview last year, and I can only imagine that if he can explain football to us media adults the way he did, then he can definitely do that to professional football players. I asked him a question last year about going empty, which is where you have no running backs in the backfield, you've got your five offensive linemen, you've got your quarterback, and your five available options, your five eligible options in the passing attack are all flexed out. And when you're in 13 personnel, which means one running back, three tight ends, the first number is the running backs, the second number is the tight ends, and then the leftover is your receivers. So one running back, three tight ends, and one receiver, and they would go empty out of that package because you've got Mike Gasicki, who's uber-athletic. Adam Shaheen, same idea there as far as the way he scored at his combine workout. And Durham Smythe can do some things in the passing game as well. And so when I asked him that question, he lit up, had a thorough, insightful answer about the advantages of being able to go to that 13 personnel package and to go empty from it when you're going to get a base defense to counter that look. So I just look forward to what both he and Studentsville can cook up together in a collaboration and also their press conferences with us this year because they were great in 2020. I have to imagine that continues into 2021. Coach Flores was then asked about his quarterback, of course, Tua Tagovailoa, a hot topic down here in South Florida. A topic, a point of contention, a player that Coach Flores is very excited about for his second year in the National Football League. Yeah, I mean, I'm
0: excited about you know Tua in this upcoming season. I think uh, you know we we you think about his situation last year, coming off the hip, we kind of threw him in the fire there, um, I don't know week seven or week. Uh, week eight. I'm not sure exactly what week it was, but, you know, he started nine games. Uh, I thought he made a lot of improvement really throughout the course of the season, uh, had some ups, had some downs, you um, like all the rookies um, and like any rookie. but uh, I'm really excited about this, uh, this, this, you know, that year one to year two jump, having a, uh a, a being more comfortable, even down here in South Florida. He's got a place. I mean, look, that working year, you got a lot going on. You know, you got to get a house. You got to get a car. You got to move to a whole new city. I mean, there's so many things that are going on. I thought he handled it well last year, but I'm really excited um, about, uh, you know, this upcoming year, uh, especially, you know, again, we got to think that he had no OTAs. He, you know, had a different uh, training camp. Uh, so, look, you guys know me. I mean, I'm all about the development of players, uh, you know, and you know, helping them develop and helping them uh, um, get better. And I think uh, you know, this this time um, or you know, an off season um, is really going to be helpful to him um, and really all the rookies. And I'm, I'm really excited about uh, you know working with them this off season.
1: So that was the first question about the quarterback position. We're gonna circle back to the backup question towards uh who will be to backup this season. Let's go ahead and though and get another follow-up here about the starting quarterback into Otunga Vailoa from head coach Brian Flores.
0: Yeah, and like I said, I think he's you know a talented player. I think um, you know, we here believe in developing players at all positions. Uh and I think I think, you know with an off season with some OTAs, with, you know, more reps, more repetitions, like, like, you know, any player or, uh, I think, you know, they develop and get, and, and get better. So, um, and I think he feels the same way. I Man, look, two and I had lunch yesterday. So, uh, and we, 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 you know, and look, we, we talk about his family and I think a lot of that is, you know, uh, de- that development about building relationships. So, uh, You know, he's doing well. Uh, He's confident. I'm confident in him. Um, And uh, I think, you know, I'm looking forward to this offseason.
1: So there's a lot to unpack there from Coach Flores. A couple of long answers there about his quarterback. The number one takeaway, the smile, the excitement about his young quarterback. 23 years old, rookie deal, got a team on the upswing. Why wouldn't Coach be excited about where this football team is going? And remember, this time last year, Tua tonga was, you know, arguably the top quarterback in the draft class, and he was battling all season long with Joe Burrow for that distinction before the injury occurred. And, of course, he was then available at the fifth pick in the draft. But this is a young man that is... Breaming with talent and special skill sets and leadership quality and spirit that is infectious and can really reverberate throughout the course of the locker room a guy that can be a catalyst a guy that can be the one that rises all tides as it were you recall the great uh, conversation that Nick Saban referenced when he was at Alabama after Tua suffered that devastating hip injury and Nick Saban dials up Tua And two was the one that cheers him up. It's just that type of character, the type of person. It's something that Brian Flores and Chris Greer have both spoken about uh, in terms of what he was as a person in the locker room and a person as a Miami Dolphin. And you heard Coach talk there about having lunch with his young quarterback and asking about his family and building that relationship. When Flores was first hired here and I did Locked on Dolphins, I had a great Brian Flores podcast where I, I had... Patriots beat writers on, former Patriots players talking about Brian Flores. And one of the things I came across my research was he had won an event at the YMCA up there in Boston, or not an event, he won an award at an event celebrating the YMCA and his brother and all the charitable contributions he had made. And Devin McCourty was one of the people that presented an award, the award to Brian Flores, him and a couple of other Patriots players, and they talked about how genuine his care was for those players and how much he meant to them as not just a coach, but as a man, a mentor, a person that made them better people better husbands better fathers and we're going to roll something here at the end of the podcast that kind of confirms that the way Flores is perceived about the league and we're going to go back to last year's free agency podcast to go ahead and prove that point but I think that's a very critical element here about the coach and the quarterback having that relationship kind of seeing the game the same way seeing life in a similar way and having that trust with one another I think that's going to go a long way but what I think also goes a long way is back to the skill set and I tell some friends this now and then because, as you guys know, all I do is update my whiteboard here and, and watch Dolphins games and, and just pretty much immerse myself in Miami Dolphins football. That's what I've been doing since I was about 16 years old. And rewatching the games... After the Rams game, which I thought he played much better than the box score indicated, after the Cardinals game where he was flat out dealing and showing you the processing and anticipation and off ability and accuracy and third-nine conversions and big-time fourth-quarter game-tying drives and uh, pu- putting the team in position to win the game in the fourth quarter with a Jason Sanders field goal, And then you go into the Chargers game, and it's 14-zip. Dolphins driving into the red zone. We get a bad snap that turns into a turnover and a big return for the Chargers. But at that moment, about a quarter and a half into that Chargers game, Tua had thrown several strikes, anticipation. He had that great play where the the ball was snapped at his feet. He scoops it up, throws a 50-50 ball to Devontae Parker, who pulls it down. And if you go back to that Chargers game, think about the Rams, Cardinals, and the first quarter and a half of that Chargers game. I don't know about y'all, but I was thinking this team was ready to compete for a Super Bowl because of the defense, the upstart offense, the skill players were still healthy in there, and Tua was really coming into his own with that offensive line and the young players developing in general on the offense. And the reason I thought that was because we saw the traits that really attracted me, and you guys know how big of a Tua fan I was all throughout his college days, that really attracted me to his game, the footwork, the way he's able to get to his drop quickly or slower to kind of sync up with the timing of the offense. The ball comes out quickly. Awkward platforms, whether his hips are square to the line of scrimmage, whether his shoulders are square to the line of scrimmage. He can throw the football from any platform and get that thing out accurately, on time, and in rhythm. And you heard Benjamin Solak on the Friday Drive Time podcast talk about the accuracy, how this kid can hit a bullseye from anywhere on the football field. I just don't know where the traits got lost along the way. Like this kid can still flat out play. There was of course a little bit of a valley there, a little bit of a lull in the middle of the season for him, the end of the season for the dolphins. And coach talked about that, the peaks and valleys of a rookie season. He also talked about the difficulties of getting used to life in the NFL in your rookie season. Now think about yourself at age 22. What were you doing? I mean, I think I worked at Subway at age 22 and was trying to get through junior college at the time. Like it wasn't really, you know, that far along in my life. And so to move to a new area at that age, I've told the story before about bumping into Raekwon Davis in the hallways at the facility at Davey and how he was lost and I was lost. And we tried to get out of the building together because it's a freaking maze up there. And you pair that with the fact that there's multiple parking lots at the facility where I've been lost a couple of times. There's a parking garage at Nova across the street where I had to go park on the third story and find the stairs and walk down to the to the pro shop to get in. Like, there is a lot that goes into your first year and not knowing the building, not knowing the facility, not knowing the league, not knowing the expectation of the professional football league just yet. It's a lot. And so I expect, you know, those, those traits to translate much better here in year number two, even though I thought he was good in his rookie season. So that's the starting quarterback talk from Coach Flores. What about the backup position, which right now remains a little bit unforeseen. Reed Sanet is signed to a futures contract. Ryan Fitzpatrick is an unrestricted free agent with Jake Rudolph a restricted free agent. So Coach was asked, does he want Ryan Fitzpatrick back? And if so, if not, what does he look for in that backup quarterback position?
0: Uh, I mean... Uh, specific to to Fitz, uh, obviously, you know, we uh, have a lot of respect and admiration for him. Uh, Look, he's tough. He's smart. He's competitive. He loves to play. He's got really embodies all the characteristics, you know, we're looking for here. Um, uh, Honestly, we'd love to have him back, but, you know, I think this is a very unique year um, from a cap standpoint. Um, Obviously, we just had the cap, the number set yesterday. So, uh, those conversations are fluid and, um, but yeah, we're looking for somebody with those characteristics in, 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 in the backup quarterback position. Um, someone who is smart, someone who, you know, we feel like, um, you know, hopefully this doesn't happen, but if, you know, he had to go in, we could, we could still win the ball game. Um, and uh, but there's, there's a, there's a few guys out there that, you know, we've, uh, we've taken a look at them all and, um, you know, we're still kind of putting that plan in place, honestly, with the just kind of setting the, the number yesterday, and uh, you know those meetings are kind of ongoing, and you know couple that with uh, you know a number of releases that are happening on really on a day-to-day basis. So we're, we're almost re-ranking on a daily basis. So um, I wish I had more for you there, Hal, uh, but you know those characteristics are what we're looking for: tough, smart, uh, competitive. Um, obviously accurate and all the things from a talent standpoint that you need at the quarterback position, uh, decision-making, and, you know, command of the offense.
1: So there you go, backup quarterback position, veteran, younger player, developmental rookie, which direction will they go? It's one of the more intriguing, uh, you know, storylines of this entire offseason because having that backup quarterback then come off the bench and, and win a game in a pinch, like Coach mentioned, if you are in the unfortunate situation where that does have to happen, that's a very valuable thing to have in this league, as we saw For instance, in the game at the Jets last year, Tua bangs up his thumb in practice. We have to go to Fitzpatrick, and that game is won rather comfortably because of quality quarterback play back there to help the offense get along there. So there's Coach talking about the backup quarterback position. And up next, how about the players that are going to catch footballs from Tua and possibly a backup quarterback at some point in the future? The skill players. How aggressive does Coach Flores want to be? Rounding out the offense with skill, with uh, with free agents and draft picks on that offensive side of the football. Here's Coach regarding adding talent and playmakers to the offensive side of the
0: football. Yeah, I think you you always want you know the most talent you can get, the most uh, playmakers, offensively, defensively, in, in the kicking game, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, you want, uh, we want, you know, you don't need 11 stars. Uh, you need 11 guys, 11 teammates who work together and uh, with one one goal in mind. Um, and, uh, you know, that's really what we're looking for. Um, so yeah, we want talented players, but we want, we want, we want a, a good uh, cohesive unit and guys who fit well together. And that's, uh, that's not, that's, that's not always 11 stars. It's, uh, <laughs> it's almost never that way. So, um, look, we've, we've, uh, we've scoured the, you know, free agency, the draft. I mean, I think we have a pretty good feel for, um, uh, you know, the, the types of guys we're looking for, um, from a skill set standpoint, but at first, uh, honestly, from a, a locker room fit standpoint as, as people as well, because I think that's important. That's an important factor that, um, that, can't, that can't be
1: overlooked. So there's Coach talking a little bit about the approach to the offensive side of the football and, and not being a star-driven league, and that might be a indicator of what you look at in free agency as far as how those tiers are broken down. Let's go ahead and get another blurb here from Coach talking about the free agency period and how you can't always get what you want.
0: Again, you know, this is a very unique year. Um, uh, very unique year. Yeah, we do have some... Uh, 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 some money from a cap standpoint that uh, we can spend. Uh, but again, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's an interesting year. I think I'm going to be playing the song. You can't always get what you want. You know, that they want free agency to be honest with you. Um, Cause we may get priced out on some guys that we, we were looking uh, that we'd like to have. Uh, they may just want to go elsewhere. Um, so this is, I think we're going to try to do the best we can. We've had multiple meetings about this. And again, I, I would say just getting the cap number yesterday kind of, um, you know, kind of sets the stage for us to you know, at least say, Hey, we're going to have this, we can do this, 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 and this, and kind of forecast and predict, Hey, said player, we expect him to to get this, which, you know, you know, I would say wipes out this amount, whatever percentage of, Cash we have to spend. So,
1: see, I kind of talked about that in the previous podcast how I love doing those mock off seasons, the mock draft simulations, because it kind of gives you an idea for what might happen around the league. Obviously, not going to be fully accurate, but you hear coach talking there about both of those aspects about you can't always get what you want, about it's not about getting 11-star players on one side of the ball. And we've talked about this a lot, right? The number of transactions this team has made since Chris Greer and Brian Flores got here. I think about last camp when it seemed like there was a new defensive back coming in every day. Scouring not just free agency in the draft, but the waiver wire and finding the right 53. Coaches talked about that as well. The message being consistent about getting people that that want to buy into what the Dolphins are building here in Miami. And talking about the free agency, you know, you spend big money in free agency and all of a sudden you've got a new player transporting to a new system and does it click right away? Will it work out right away? Will you get a player that plays up to that 16, 17, 18 million dollar figure that you have to pay them on that first day of free agency at premier positions like a pass rusher for instance a wide receiver? If you do go out and spend 18 million bucks a year on a player, he then has to become pretty much a Pro Bowl all-pro type of guy otherwise The value in the contract versus the production is not quite there. So you heard Coach talk about that. Maybe in that tier two of free agency where guys are, you know, in the weekend or next week after free agency kicks off, they've kind of seen the market saturate a little bit. They've seen the big dollars get spent and they come around to that second wave of free agency. That might be where the true value is in a player, for instance, like Emmanuel Ogba, who got two years, 15 million last season. And we won't go into the finer details of the contracts because that's when stuff gets a bit confusing. But nine sacks, third most pressures among all defensive edge players last year in the NFL was 66. And Ogba outperformed the contract he received with his production on the field. And that's why I think tier two of free agency. Tier three is a better a better market for the buyer because you, you have a better chance for that player t- to live up to the production. And of course, in a league where you only have a certain amount of salary, assets, and allocation, that is very key and very integral to the success of your football team. And speaking of free agency, the part of the calendar that comes after free agency is of course the draft. And we've been breaking this thing down for you guys for a couple of weeks here, talking about the value of that third pick. Let's go ahead and hear from coach Flores about that third pick and what it could mean for this dolphins operation.
0: Look, when you ever, anytime you pick uh third overall, there's, there's a number of players another number of ways we can go. Um, so uh, I think uh, uh, again, our scouting staff, like I said earlier, I think they've they've done a really great job as far as um, uh, narrowing down who the top top players are in this draft. Uh, we have a pretty good idea of who those are. I think everyone or most people who, who are kind of analyzing it, you know, know who those players are. Um, we'll have an opportunity to grab uh, um, one of them at least in that. Let's call it a top ten. Um, but you know, obviously, having that 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 type of pick, there's there's a lot of other uh, Uh, Avenues we could go. Um, And, you know, I think, uh, um, you know, we'll explore those also. And uh, that's, 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 you know, we're we're, we're fortunate that way. And, you know, hopefully we uh, we can take advantage.
1: So, one thing I like to look at here with the value of that third pick in the draft is the famed Jimmy Johnson draft chart, which is, you know, a little bit outdated. I don't think teams necessarily abide by this like some kind of letter of the law, but just in general, that third pick is worth 2,200 points. The first pick is worth 3,000 points. So you see how valuable these top of the draft picks are. Whereas by the time you get to round two, you're down into 580 for the 33rd pick in the draft. So the value of this pick really is worth two mid first rounders. It's worth a boatload of future first rounders and second round draft picks. So the true value of this third pick, you find a way to maximize it, whether it's a player, whether it's recouping more draft picks in the future. Like Coach Flores said, there are options and many, many avenues the Dolphins can take with that pick. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up the press conference right there. A couple of uh, pro days I wanted to talk about here on the podcast, just real quick in passing, was the 40-yard dash time of Travis Etienne out of Clemson, one of the more electric running backs in the draft this year. You might recall a video with he and Isaiah Simmons a couple years ago, the first-round pick last year, the linebacker from Clemson, racing in a 40-yard dash and coming in neck and neck in that race. Etienne blazed a 4-4-5 40-yard dash at his pro day. And then Joseph Asai of Texas, one of the better edge prospects in this class, a stand-up linebacker who can come down off the edge and and play a pass-rushing role, can cover, can defend the run. He can also play off-ball linebacker. He's six foot two and 250 pounds, a real nice build prototype for this defense. He had a 41 and a half inch vertical, which tells you about his explosiveness and the the lower body strength and the explosiveness he has that way. So a couple of really cool notes there from the pro days. I want to finish up this podcast with some sound bites from the podcast last year around this time when we interviewed each of the Dolphins free agents. I want to play some of the best clips from those free agent uh, podcast interviews here and why these players decided to sign with the Dolphins last year. And we start with the big get from last year's free agency class in Byron Jones.
0: To be honest, man, what I really like about this Dolphins team is it's young. And um, and for me, this will be a new challenge in terms of not just leading by example, but leading with my voice and speaking up and talking to guys and making sure I'm changing the culture in that in that young locker room. Um, so that, that gives me an opportunity to do that. and that, that, to me, was a really exciting challenge. Um, I believe in what Co- Coach Flo was doing. I spoke to a bunch of coaches about him, and everyone had nothing but good things to say about him. So I know he's building something special, and I want to be a part of it. Also
1: fired up to come to Miami last season was center Ted Karras. Here he is talking about his decision to sign with the Dolphins last March.
0: Well, you know, I, I had the you know, opportunity to play three seasons with him here in New England, and I thought, you know, he just has a tough attitude, loves the game, um you know wants to win and prepares to win and i think those are all qualities that that we share and uh you know i'm I'm very grateful for the opportunity and really excited to get down and get to work
1: another former patriot that was with coach flores there Elandon roberts elaborated on why he decided to sign with the dolphins last free agency
0: man you know uh i can't put it enough on you know coach flores he was my coach all my years and uh new england and and even you know that's the first new england coach i had met you know for my pro day coming out of college so the relationship was there and then you know just just watching you know the organization of course we play them two times we play them two times a year so watching that 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 grow you know this past season you know and whatnot it, it, it was just the best decision to uh to go that way and i'm i'm a hundred percent uh glad to be a part of the organization and I can't wait to just get there and get uh, started working.
1: And that was a pretty consistent message from Byron Jones, Landon Roberts, Ted Karras, Emmanuel Ogbaugh, Shaq Lawson, Clayton Fedulam, Kamu Gruje hill All those guys had nothing but positive things to say about coach and playing for him here in Miami. So we'll see what this 2021 free agency brings to the Dolphins roster. And we'll get those guys on the podcast here as well, just like we did last year. Go ahead and go back and check out those podcasts. As for this edition of the Drive Time Podcast, that is going to be my time. You all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from, go ahead and leave us a rating, leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Linkful NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible podcast. And of course, last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.